Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm Paul Doherty, your host. So glad you're watching today. I wanna talk to you about leading through uncertainty, leading through a crisis, and really right now in our world, leading through a virus crisis. As I'm talking to you right now, there's been reported over 116,000 people infected with the coronavirus. And if you're like me, I'm kind of just getting tired of hearing all the news reports, seeing it every day, uh, all this stuff about this coronavirus. Maybe you're listening to this, watching this a year later, six months later. There's always going to be something to be afraid about. There's always going to be something that probably has legit concern, but is not a legit thing to spend hours of our life living in fear and worry. And you might say, well, Paul, that seems kind of foolish to not be worried about something. Well, the Bible is clear. Worry cannot add an hour to your life. And even outside of the Bible, research, scientists have proven that worrying actually depletes you of energy, actually causes you to have high blood pressure, not be able to sleep at night, causes you to be less effective at your workplace, constantly distracted, paranoid, constantly afraid. So how is worry a wise thing to do? I'm all for washing our hands. I'm all for making wise decisions to make sure that we're not, you know, exposed to a, a coronavirus or some sickness, the common flu. When my kids are sick, uh, I'm going to keep them at home. But I'm not going to be that parent um, that just never allows my kids to leave the house, right? And I don't know if you ever saw the movie in the 90s, but a movie came out called The Little Giants. And this movie um, is about this team of football kids um, that have to play a bigger, a bunch of bigger teams of football players. And this one kid, he's so small, his mom wraps him in massive, you know, pads and puts helmet over him. You can't even see his face. He's like a mummy. And she's like, I I'm so afraid my son's going to get hit on the football field. I don't want him to feel any pain. You know, and the little boy's like, Mom, I'm okay. You know, it's a really funny movie. But when I watch that, I think, you know, that's how a lot of us can come across in the midst of a crisis. A lot of us can come across so paranoid and afraid that we're going to get hurt, that we're going to get exposed, that we're going to get sick. And then it paralyzes us from living our lives. Uh, just last week, I was with my son, Beniah, and I went to go preach in Los Angeles. And people were like, you shouldn't take your son on an airplane. Don't you know airplanes crash and people get sick and the virus could spread? And I was thinking... Man, I grew up with a parent, a mom and a dad that were so courageous. And they went on mission trips to Russia, to Haiti, to Africa. I remember going with them to Dominican Republic and going with them to uh, Asia, Singapore. And people would always try to stir up fear, worry. You can't go there. There's a war there. You can't go there. There's a sickness there. You can't do that. You can't leave your house. You need to wrap your sons in, you know, tons of pads. They can't play football. They might get hurt. And my parents were constantly taking the risk, walking in courage, and we didn't get hurt. And all four of us kids grew up and we're fine. We love God. We love people. We're in church. And I just think a scared world needs a courageous you. A scared world needs a courageous leader. A scared world doesn't need a scared leader. A scared world needs a courageous leader. And really, leadership thrives in crisis. Leaders emerge in the midst of a virus. Uh, I think when there is turmoil and there's darkness, that's when the Winston Churchills pop up, right? Um, if, you, if you ever saw the movie um, Winston Churchill that they made a couple years ago about his life, the uh, biopic on it, it's so powerful. But I remember sitting there and watching, I think it was called The Great War or something like that. And um, it showed during World War II when Hitler was just spreading fear, 
spreading fear, spreading fear. It was like a coronavirus. It was like every country was bowing down to Hitler. Every country was surrendering. Every country was feeling oppressed besides America and besides uh, Great Britain. And in this movie, Churchill, Winston Churchill is the prime minister, um, and he's not the, like, the greatest leader. He uh, has his insecurities. He has his anger outbursts. He has his moments where he feels un- unqualified, insecure about you know, everything going on around him. But he chooses in the midst of pandemonium to lift up a voice of hope. And he begins to say, we're going to fight. We're going on the beaches and we're going everywhere and we refuse to quit. We will not quit. We will fight and we will fight and we will go and we will win. And, you know, he's just speaking these speeches and they're so powerful. All of Great Britain begins to believe what he says. And here's the power about leadership. People listen to you. And not everyone's going to not everyone's going to follow you. Some people are going to hate your speech. Some people are going to say you're too optimistic, you're too faith-filled, you're too positive, you're unrealistic. But I would rather err on the side of faith than err on the side of fear. I would rather err on the side of courage than err on the side of pandemonium. I would rather be a leader who's known for lifting up a flag, a banner of victory than waving a flag of defeat and saying, "Hey, we're just going to give in to the the panic and the worry, and we're going to, you know, camp out here and bunker down. We're going to stop taking ground as a church. We're going to stop going on mission trips. We're going to stop sharing the gospel. We're going to stay inside our four walls. We're going to shut our voice down. No, no, no. The world needs a victorious church. A defeated world needs a victorious leader. And we're talking about leadership in the midst of uncertainty. There will always be uncertainty. Whether you're listening to this right now a year from now, 10 years from now, there will always be uncertain times. There will be political years. There will be viruses. There will be sicknesses. There will be tornadoes, hurricanes. There will be uprisings. There will be wars. The Bible warns us of this. The Bible says, hey, beware. In the last days, there's going to be all kinds of uncertainty. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on that will strike fear in the hearts of people. But you, my friends, take heart. You have overcome the world. Now, I want to speak to those who are watching or listening to this podcast who are believers. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, what are you afraid of? Really, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, what are you worried about? What are you freaking out about? I'm all for walking in wisdom, but I am not for walking in worry. Again, the Bible's clear. You cannot add an hour to your life by worrying. You cannot grow an inch taller by being afraid. Doctors have said you get sicker when you worry. (laughs) That's not a word. You get more sick when you worry than you do when you live with courage. You actually, your blood pressure rises when you're afraid, when you're worried, when you're stressed, when you're feeling overwhelmed, insecure, intimidated, you know, just paranoid. Your blood pressure rises. You actually are more susceptible to sickness when you are worried than you are when you are peaceful and when you're walking in faith. So again, I plead with you, I encourage you, choose a courageous stance in the midst of a crisis. When a crisis arises, when a virus arises, do not run from the giant. Face it head on. Encourage people to wash their hands, walk in wisdom, do all the practical things, but don't spread a spirit of fear. Don't spread a panic and a worry amongst people around you. Here's the crazy thing. Just over 100 years ago, we didn't even know viruses existed. 
Like in the 1600s, 1700s, there were plagues. Yes, there was all kinds of stuff. The bubonic plague, there was all kinds of plagues that happened. There was um, little things that, that, that people would die from. But people kept living their lives, kept living their lives. And then here in the last hundred years, we started making this huge deal about different viruses, the SARS virus, the Ebola virus. And yet through all of these viruses, our world has continued. People have invented, people have led, countries have moved forward, people have chosen to rise up, leaders have emerged. In fact, even during recessions and the Great Depression, there were people who prospered during those times. Not everybody was depressed. Not everybody was defeated. There were some people who actually walked in victory during that time. And uh, my grandma was one of them. My grandma, she was born in 1921. She was in a poor family. She didn't come from wealth. She lived in Louisiana. And um, she grew up during the Great Depression. When it hit in the 20s, she was seven years old. And then she watched her dad and mom choose a stance of courage, of faith. And they didn't succumb to a spirit of fear, to a spirit of hopelessness. They chose to just keep doing the best they could with what they had, kept praying and asking God for God's help, and God directed them. And here she is, she's 96 years old. She works full-time for me in the church. And she said, Paul, I've lived through so many recessions, so many depressions. She said, I remember when World War II was going on. Uh, she said, I remember when my dad went to go fight in the war. I remember when Vietnam War was happening and my son went to go fight in the Vietnam War. She said, I remember when uh, Kennedy got shot. I remember when uh, this was happening in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And as I listen to her, I just think, here's a woman who has outlasted worry. Here's a woman who's outlasted viruses and crises. And what she has to say is so wise. She says, we cannot get worked up in a pandemonium just because the whole world and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and ABC and YouTube and everybody who has the, 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 you know, the, the, the latest update on the virus, just because they're stirring up fear doesn't mean you have to be stirred with fear. And you get to choose what you're going to listen to. So in order to rise up in the midst of a crisis, you need to choose what voices you're going to allow to speak into your ears. You need to choose what words you're going to allow to come out of your mouth. The Bible says that we direct our lives with our tongue. Our tongue is like a rudder. A rudder on a ship determines where that ship is going to go. Start speaking hope. Start speaking faith. If you're not speaking hope or faith, chances are you're listening to fear and discouragement and negativity. So switch the channel you're listening to, switch the channel you're watching, tune into a channel of victory. Start speaking words of victory. Choose to take actions of victory. Leaders who lead through a crisis and a virus, they're listening to hope, they're speaking hope, and they're walking with hope. All right, so here's, here's some thoughts that I wanna just share with you today. Um, seven things that I think could help you and I have a leadership uh, surge in the midst of a crisis. Seven things that I think could help you to not just get through a crisis, not just get through a virus, but really to emerge as like a leader. Like David was seen as a leader because Goliath showed up. Um, the son of Saul, Jonathan, there's a story where he rose up with courage and he actually emerged as a leader because of a crisis. So crisis is an opportunity for leaders to rise up. A virus is an opportunity for you to rise as a leader and to uh, really let your voice, your actions, and your heart be seen as someone worth following in the midst of pandemonium. So the first step is to be alert to the virus. If we're going to 
lead through a crisis, you've got to be aware, alert. I didn't say be afraid, but be aware, be alert. First Peter chapter 5 says, be alert to your enemy. Understand who your opponent is. When I played basketball and football, we used to study our opponent. We'd sit in the locker room and we would watch film and find out how they moved, who their best player was, what kind of plays they had, what kind of zone they ran, what defense, offense they had. And the more we understood how they won, the more capable we were at beating them. But the less we understood, the more uncertain we were. So if you're going to be a leader through uncertainty, you've got to at least understand who the enemy is. You've got to understand what this virus is doing, how it's working, how it's spreading, what it's causing people to do. When you're leading through a crisis, it's important to know what is the problem. Like face it head on. Don't run from it. Don't bury your head in the sand. Don't be naive and go, I got the victory and have no clue who the enemy is. You need to know who it is. Um, When I started leading our church uh, during an uncertain time when my father had passed, I had to really face the facts of our financial situation. I had to go to our CFO and say, hey, what is the reality? What's the institutional reality of where we're at? What's the enemy that we're facing? Again, the more alert and aware I was, the more capable I was at being able to cast a vision of courage and hope in the midst of the crisis. Number two, we've got to learn how to defeat the crisis with a greater virus. Defeat the virus with a greater virus. When you get bit by a poisonous snake, the cure that helps you to overcome the venom that's in your veins is actually pulled from the venom of the same snake that bit you. The anti-venom is from the venom that bit you. In other words, if you're going to be cured from the snake bite, it's going to take something from the snake bite that defeats it. In the same way, when there's a crisis, when there's a virus, that's actually a setup for God to use you to walk in victory. Like David, when he saw Goliath, he understood the victory was not running away from Goliath. The victory was actually cutting off the head of Goliath. If he would go straight at the virus and defeat that virus, the fear of, the, of Goliath was causing the Israelites to run away. Hide in caves, hide behind rocks, um, stay away from that. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's more powerful. But David understood that to defeat fear, you have to have a, a greater fear. Fear defeats fear. And you might say, that doesn't make sense. All right, here's the thing. As a leader, you have to have a greater fear for God, a greater reverence for the God inside you than the giant that's in front of you. A greater reverence for the power and the presence of God on your life as a leader than the power and the presence of a virus, of a crisis, of a financial setback, of the giant of intimidation from people who hate you, right? There's got to be a greater reverence for God than there is for the people, the, the, the virus and the crisis and people's opinions and the financial setback. And so David was able to take his, his fear of God and attack the fear of the giant. And what did he do? He had the victory. Once he did that, not only did he defeat Goliath, he defeated the entire Philistine army and the Israelites followed him. So we understand that as leaders, we have power against every enemy we face. But your biggest enemy is your inner you. My biggest enemy is the inner me. I've got to overcome my own insecurities and fears and put my faith in God, put my reverence in God and say, okay, God, help me to overcome this. Here's a scripture for you. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, He will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God. When your mind is stayed on God, it's not panicking over the crisis. When your mind is fixed on God and his presence, his power, his principles, then you're not worried about the outcome of a virus, the outcome of a crisis. You're able to defeat fear with a greater fear. All right, number three, 
Trust in the blood of Jesus. Now, as a leader, this may not make sense to you. You might go, well, Paul, that, that makes sense for Christians, but how's that supposed to make sense for me as a leader in my company, at the bank, at, at the school, at the job that I work at? How am I supposed to trust in the blood of Jesus? Again, this is Christian leadership that I'm speaking on here. But there's something powerful about understanding what Jesus did on the cross. Revelation chapter 12 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. As leaders, we have to have an understanding of our identity that it's not rooted in our position. My identity is not rooted in my activity. So whether I'm leading a church or whether I'm leading a basketball team, I can't define my worth based on how many games I won for the basketball team. I can't define my worth based on how many sermons I've preached that were good or based on how many, if you're uh, a, a editor, if you're someone who works with film, you can't base your worth on your activity. You've got to have an identity that's firm, grounded. This is what the blood of Jesus does. It gives me a firm foundation in the midst of a crisis to say, okay, I know that we're facing uncertainty, but I also know whose I am. And because I know whose I am, I am bought by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says when you put your faith in Christ, his blood is stronger than anything you face. The blood of Jesus paid a high price for you. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died for our salvation. Now, Buddhists, which are a large part of our world, and Islam, Muslims, they have their own faith. They believe in their own God. They believe in their own identity from that God. As Christians, which represents about 2 billion people in the world, we should understand that our identity is in the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're watching this right now and you're a Christian, you need to know in the midst of crisis and uncertainty, you have a firm foundation through the blood of Jesus. It paid for your sins. It paid for your salvation, which means that to live is Christ, to die is gain. The devil has no hold over you. The Bible says because you are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, that, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, sin, where is your sting? Oh, like any, any type of enemy has zero power and authority over you through that. So if you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, again, as a leader, I think it's the greatest decision we can make is to be led by someone who's greater than us. And the greatest leader is Jesus. If you'll put your faith in him, you'll have a firm foundation through uncertainty, through a crisis, through a virus. And that's where we have confidence, not just in our own personality, not just in our own strength, but in the blood of Jesus to be able to lead people. Number four, we've got to learn how to speak faith in the midst of fear. So um, when I'm around people who are talking fear-filled words and they're stirring up pandemonium and worry, I want to just interrupt them and say, man, our best days are right in front of us. God's not finished yet. There's gonna, we're going to turn the page in this story and the next page is going to be full of so much more hope and light at the end of the tunnel. I just want to encourage you, if you're hearing fear at your workplace, speak faith. If you're around people who are just spreading worry and just a negative vibe. Did you ever watch that um, Saturday Night Live show where the, all these people are talking you know, positive and they're happy and all of a sudden this girl comes in and her name's Debbie Downer and she says something and it's like, wah, wah. she's like, yeah, there's hurricanes here. There's tornadoes there. People are dying of this virus. And it's like, wah, wah. she changes the atmosphere with her words. You have the power to change the atmosphere with your words. Speak faith, speak faith. As a leader, speak hope. As a leader, change the narrative, change the conversation. Number five, remember to use the most powerful name. 
as a leader. Again, Winston Churchill was a Christian. He was a believer. He couldn't talk a whole lot about it when he was speaking from his pulpit, from his place as the Prime Minister of Great Britain. Um, we've had presidents that are Christians. They, they know there's power in the name of Jesus. There is more power in the name of Jesus than there is in their own name. There's more power in the name of Jesus than there is in the name of Hitler, in the name of the coronavirus, in the name of any um, genocidal leader or crazy crisis that's being stirred. So use that name to your advantage. As a leader, use that name. Speak it. Speak it when you're quiet. Speak it when you're in your private time. Speak it even when you have a conversation with someone. Just say, the name of Jesus is stronger. And we have power in that name. Number six, choose courage at every turn. Whatever turn you're at, whatever decision you're faced with, just choose the most courageous risk-taking option. Like if you have an option to invest or not invest, invest. If you have an option to uh, try something you've never tried or not to try it, try it. Listen, we only live one life. Why should we live our lives constantly in fear that we might fail or it may not work out? Or what if I try it and it doesn't happen? I'd rather err on the side of courage than err on the side of, you know, fear. I'd rather err on the side of taking a risk. Now, again, you've got to assess the risk. You've got to make sure that the risk is worth it. Like, I'm not just going to jump off a cliff uh, just, just because, oh, it's exciting. I want to try it. And there's sharp rocks at the bottom. That's, that's dumb, right? That's stupid. But if the cliff is jumping into an ocean or into a lake and I've checked the depth and I've seen other people try it and they didn't die, uh, again, there's, there's opportunities for us at every turn to choose courage. Um, here's an example. I had the opportunity to take my son with me on this missions trip or not, and I decided to take him. And because I took him, not only was his life impacted, he got baptized, he got water baptized, he got so excited um, just to be a leader in his class. Now, he's young, but I planted a seed of courage in his heart because I took him on a missions trip. Other people said, man, I don't think you should take a six-year-old on the missions trip. I don't think you should try that. But because I chose courage, he was promoted and empowered to become the leader that God has called him to be. And I think that when we choose courage, it not only affects our life, it affects other people's lives. It affects other people's opportunities. On the other side of your courageous decision is someone who's able to rise up and become all that God made them to be. And here's the last point right here, number seven. Plant a flag of victory in the midst of the crisis. Just plant the flag. I remember seeing pictures and seeing the movie Apollo 13 and so many um, movies now that have been made about people who go to outer space, go to the moon. And there's that one picture where the astronaut, I believe it's Neil Armstrong, is planting the American flag on the moon. What is he saying? He's saying, we got here first. You know, whether the Russians got there, or we got there, or whatever. He's saying, we have this territory. America has landed on the moon. It was a statement of confidence. It was a statement of, of owning the territory, of saying, look what we've accomplished. In the same way as Christians, we've got to stake a flag of victory in the midst of defeat. As leaders, we've got to stake, plant a flag of victory in the midst of pandemonium. While people are afraid and discouraged and not sure what to do, plant a flag of victory. Say, hey, look, we're not going anywhere and we're not retreating. We're not gonna be the generation that runs away from Goliath. We're not gonna be the generation that walks away from the promised land. We're not gonna be the group of people that bows down in fear and pandemonium. 
We are going to rise up. We are not going to run around like chickens with our heads cut off. We are planting a flag of victory. I love the moment in the movie Jungle Book. Did you ever see the Jungle Book movie? Um, it, and I don't know why I'm asking you. I can't hear you. But, you know, if you're, if you're watching or listening to this, there's this moment in Jungle Book where Mowgli, um, at the end of the movie, he's been running his whole life, running away from the enemy, running away from Shere Khan, the scary tiger. But at the end of the movie, he finally decides to stop running. And Shere Khan is like wreaking havoc on the jungle. Shere Khan is out to kill um, Mowgli and all of his friends. And all of a sudden, Mowgli turns around and faces Shere Khan. And he says, I'm not running anymore. I'm not afraid of you. You hear me? I'm not afraid of you. You hear me, Shere Khan? I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not running. And in that moment, I remember watching that part and I like stood up out of my seat and I'm a grown adult man. This is like the, this is the latest uh, version of Jungle Book. So the one that came out a few years ago. And I was like, yes, yes, Mowgli. And I was like, I'm not afraid of you either, Shere Khan. But I had this moment of courage where I, I all of a sudden realized the power, the identity, the authority, the leadership, the courage, the confidence that comes when you know who you are and you know whose you are and you know the power you have as a leader, you stop running from every enemy. You stop hiding and retreating at every turn and you start planting a flag of victory. You start rising up with confidence. And that's where Mowgli was made. That's where his leadership was defined, was in that moment when he chose not to run, but rather to face his enemy. I want to encourage you today. The enemy is strong but the God inside of you is stronger. The virus and the crisis is real, but the courage and the faith and the confidence God has put inside of you is greater than that crisis. It is stronger than that virus. And if you will rise up and rise up with hope, not only will people follow, but people will be set free from fear and you will lead people into a place of victory. That's the kind of leader I wanna be. That's the kind of leader God wants you to be. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus, help me to be the leader that you've called me to be. Help me to live with courage in the midst of crisis. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much. Tune back in for a future episode of Learning to Lead.